Well, good morning, BlackRock. I'd like to uh, introduce to you Leroy Case. And uh, Leroy is a uh, network pastor with Dot Life, a ministry celebrating unity in the body of Christ and operating out of the greater Hartford area. Welcome, Leroy. Thank uh, you. Tell us uh, a little bit about your life story. Yeah, well, I grew up in Northeast Ohio with two parents, Paul and Tina Case, and I have two younger siblings as well. And it was really my mom who cultivated a love for the Lord in our home. And it was at four years old that I remember praying with my mom on her bed one August day, and she asked me if I understood what it meant to be in relationship with God through Christ and said it in a way that I, as a four-year-old, could understand. And I remember being totally amazed by the thought of a great big God mm. coming and living inside of little Leroy. Yeah. And so I gave an absolute yes to wanting to make that decision. And so we prayed together, and afterward, my mom said, Leroy, Scripture tells us that all of heaven, including God himself, is rejoicing over you because you are now his son. Mm. And I remember being undone by that. And I don't have a lot of memories from when I was four years old, but I remember jumping up and down on the bed that day as if to join in the heavenly <laughs> celebration. And it was a real gift to our family that when my mom moved to Ohio, when she married my dad, she got involved with a church that really was family to me and discipled me mm. uh, in a way that laid an incredible foundation for my faith walk. Well, then, uh, then as you progress in life, uh, life gets a little more complicated. Uh, explain that. It's true. It's interesting because at that time, four years old, God is sowing seeds into my life and using people like my mom and the church I grew up in to do that. But then we know we have an enemy of our souls, and he is planting seeds of thought and lies that would counter the work that God is doing in our lives. And I remember as early as that age having a attraction of sorts to older men, to their strength, and, you know, I wouldn't have called it sexual at that point. Mm -hmm. I was just a young kid. But then as I moved into my adolescent years and hit puberty and starting to have all these hormones firing that you know, were causing me to feel things I never felt before, and it, suddenly I realized, like, wow, okay, I really am attracted to men, and that was my experience of it. But you, know, you th hear things from family members and even the church about, oh, those queers or those fags or those gays, and you begin to put two and two together that, oh, that must not be a good thing. And <clears throat> dealing with something that I didn't feel I had any control over, so where does that leave me? Mm -hmm. And so I felt it left me to be silent because the thing that I feared the most would have been rejection from the mm -hmm. church that I grew up in because that was family. Mm -hmm. And so um, went through my adolescent years and then you know, entered youth group and I was leading worship on Wednesday nights and was a student leader and then participating in homosexual acts of sin. Um, you know, in my private world, and living this duplicit life that I didn't like, didn't want, but didn't know how to live other than that. Right. And, 
you know, you've heard the pray the gay the way, pray the gay away phrase, I'm sure, at some point. And, you know, that was real for me too. And praying in earnest to the Lord and seeing nothing happen. And why, God, you know, aren't you doing this for me? And feeling really desperate about it. Well, then, summer of my sophomore year of high school, I go to this youth conference. And many of you probably have heard of Francis Chan, and he was speaking there that year. And he gave two messages that completely altered the course of my life, truly. And one of which he shared his testimony of living hypocritically as a youth pastor and dishonest salesperson. And after telling his story, he had a bottle of chocolate milk and a bottle of lemonade. And he's like, you know, the lemonade's like all the good things that we do for God. And he mm-hmm. took a swig of that. And then he's like, and then the chocolate milk represents all the sin in our life. You know, like, you know, you go to church and then go smoke pot behind the church afterwards. And, you know, it's kind of light at first laugh. <laughs> you know, and then uh, it got more serious and, you know, understand the complexity of a life that is lived in that place of turmoil. And he's drinking both bottles. And they weren't like small little glasses. They were big, you know, good-sized bottles. And he drank both of them completely to the point where he became visibly nauseous. Mm. And he had to stop speaking. And that's real commitment as a speaker to do something (laughs) like that. (laughs) And when he was finally able to regain composure, he said, and this is what happens when you mix sin with God. You become spiritually sick. Mm. And I knew that was me. And so in that moment, I believe under the quickening of the Holy Spirit, I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, if you will have Francis share a story about a guy my age who deals with the same thing I do, which I'd never heard at a youth conference or gathering before that, I will tell someone for the first time. Because the only people who knew were the people that I was participating in sin with. Right. And the Holy Spirit gently whispered into my heart, I will. Within two minutes, Francis Chan was sharing a story about a guy who was a sophomore in high school, who was leading worship at his youth group and dealing with this hidden life. I mean, it was to the T. And I wasn't even surprised because the Lord had given me that confirmation. And what I didn't know Francis was going to do is give an altar call at the end of the service. And when he did, it was as if the Holy Spirit lifted me out of my chair. I mean, I felt his propulsion forward, and I ran to the front of this outdoor tent, planned myself in the dirt, and I just prayed for courage that God would help me to tell someone. And my youth pastor, who I'd known most of my life, came up to me and said, Leroy, would you like to talk? And I said, yes. And we're sitting there for a while, and I'm sweating bullets, and again, praying for courage. And finally, I was able to share with him about this, you know, inward struggle that was manifesting outwardly. And James 5.16 says that when we confess our sins to one another and pray for one another, we will be healed. And in the moment that I shared with him, it was as if these invisible chains that I was wearing fell to the ground. And I Mm -hmm. literally felt them fall to the ground. And I felt like the healing work that Jesus died for me to experience Mm -hmm. began in a real way that day. Well, jump forward, it was in high school that I received a clear call to ministry, made the decision to go to Moody Bible Institute, was a pastoral studies major, and graduated. Um, a former mentor of mine had just got a position as a headmaster at a Christian school here in Connecticut, invites me out to be chaplain and Bible teacher there at the master school. Some of you might have a Christian heritage connection. They're kind of the rivals here in the state amongst Christian schools. And uh, was there for six years, and in that time, Uh, went through three cycles of really wrestling with the question, am I gay? First cycle came 
the first year I was here, and then another, like the second or third year, and each time would come back to this place of being resolute, like, you know what, I don't feel a freedom, a settledness yet in that question to just give up everything to pursue, you know, a relationship um, with someone who I would have said in my mind was a Christian, but who identified as gay. And I just said, you know what, I can see the emptiness of pursuing a life for sex, <laughs> and... A guy who loves the Lord and identifies as gay and you know, is really serious about his faith, he doesn't exist. You know, my dream guy doesn't exist, so I'm good. I'll just live as a single celibate guy and pursue the Lord and I'm all set. Well, it was um, you know, towards uh, maybe my fifth or sixth year here in Connecticut, I met that guy in a very unexpected way and felt things that I never felt for anyone before and didn't know quite what to do with that. And so I was going on a vacation for spring break right after that to Virginia Beach with some friends. And the first day I was there, I shared with my friend Paul, who's a faithful brother in Christ, about what had just happened. And he said, well, Leroy, I don't want to just give you an off-the-hip response because obviously this is a big deal. I want to pray about it and we'll talk about it more later. Well, that night... Uh, I shared the story as well with his wife, who I'm very close with, and, um, and I never had this experience before, but through tears, they both said, Leroy, I'm sorry. And in that moment, I felt as if it was Jesus saying, I'm sorry to me through them. And it reminded me of Lazarus' death when Jesus weeps and grieves over his friend's death but it wasn't because Jesus was without hope. He knew what he was going to do, but I believe he was grieved over the, the consequences of sin and the brokenness that had entered the world that would cause death to a, a friend like Lazarus, and I felt that same compassion flowing through my friends that night. And I don't remember what my friend Paul said, but it was exactly what I needed at the moment. And then afterward, I don't know if you've ever had this experience where you have a song going through your head, but you're not quite sure where that song came from or what it is, and then you like tune in and you're like, oh. And the lyrics of the song were, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. And in that moment, I felt like the Holy Spirit said, Leroy, that whole scenario that you created in your mind of I can see the emptiness of pursuing a life for sex, and the dream guy doesn't exist, so I'm okay, I'm good, I'm safe, safe from a life that might bring me rejection from the community that exists in my church, and I'm good. You'll never have to make that decision. Just keep walking that way. That construct in your mind, Leroy, was a sweetest frame. It was a construct of your own thinking um, that was not of me. And so through this guy that I've allowed to come into your life, I'm destroying that sweetest frame because I want you to wholly lean on Jesus' name. And then the Holy Spirit said, Lyra, do you remember the chapel you gave to your students this, this year, the first chapel? I had to think back. And it was on Philippians chapter three where Paul says, I count all things as loss for their surpassing greatness of knowing Christ and being found in him. And I told my students, I said, you know, I have not experienced great loss in my life. And I don't know what my response will be when I do. But here's what I know. I can take Paul at his word that knowing Christ is better than anything I could lose in this life. And so 
what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna build my life on Jesus Christ, on, on that rock, that firm foundation, so that when loss does come, and as we know, we will eventually lose everything, though I may be shaken, I will not fall beyond repair because I've built my life on him. Well, that year I experienced more loss in my life than I had ever experienced before and some very significant losses. And in that moment, I felt like the Holy Spirit said to me, he said, Leroy, I'm calling you to count this man and what he represents as loss for the sake of knowing me. Mm. And I replied to the Lord, and I said, Lord, if you're calling me to count him as loss for the sake of knowing you, then I have to know you better. And I can't just know more facts about you. I need to know you in a way that completely alters the course of my life. And then the Lord was silent. He didn't say anything else. And it wasn't until years later that I realized that his silence was actually saying something. Mm -hmm. It was, Leroy, I've already said it. Now take me at my word. Mm -hmm. That's great. I love that image of, uh, of Lazarus. I think that's, uh, mm -hmm. that says it all. Mm -hmm. The idea of uh, Lazarus and Jesus weeping over uh, this friend, uh, and Jesus lets this friend die, yeah. Uh, but the death has to come in order for the resurrection, uh, the miracle of the resurrection to take place. And I think uh, that I think what I hear you saying is mm -hmm. that uh, same-sex attraction is not sin. But it's sin whenever we find our identity in anything other than Jesus. And I think that applies to all of us. Uh, it can be opposite sex uh, attraction uh, leading to sex outside of marriage. Uh, we need to let that die in order to be mm. a follower of Christ. Uh, letting go of uh, identity and money or power or career. These things need to die so that there can be a resurrection of the new that uh, Jesus wants yeah. to bring into our lives. So have you experienced this, uh, this resurrection in, in Jesus? Yes. It's interesting because I talked about those three cycles of asking the question, am I gay? And it was interesting because after that moment in the story that I just shared, the question changed. And it was no longer, am I gay? It was, who am I? Yeah. Like, if I'm not that, then who am I? And it was like four years of the Lord really unpacking that with me mm. and, and realizing that anything in your life that can be altered is not the core essence of who you are. So even as we talk about sexuality, you think about the LGBTQ+, you know, the, the acronym has just grown uh, as people are looking for identity, right? They're looking for something to hold on to, to build their life upon. And it, to me, it just shows that sexuality, because of sexual perversion, that, and what I mean by perversion is you think of like alignment, anything that's outside of the alignment that God brought in his created order for our expressed sexuality in relationship with someone, that it's not of him. And so we all have that in our brokenness when we're born into this world. And, uh, and so there's, sexuality is fluid. I've known people who've identified as gay, go straight, straight, gay, you know, like, and not to diminish that in any way, people's experience, but just to make the point that it's not this hard and fast thing. And so if our sexuality is fluid, well then, yes, we're sexual beings, but that's not the core of who right, I am. Right. And so, who am I? Mm -hmm. And 
the great revelation which we sing about, it's almost like a buzz right now in the church talking about being a son or daughter of the Lord, and that is such a powerful truth, and I had to really grow into that. But then realizing that it's not just like this little kid looking up to daddy, which there is that image that's there, but it's the picture of the heir or heiress who the father puts forward and says, you represent me in power and authority. And that's what God desires for us is not just to cling on to him as Papa, and he is that, but he wants us as the children of God to realize that we are heirs of the kingdom and that he puts us forward. That's what it means to be an image bearer. He puts us forward to represent him. Mm-hmm. And, and, and not just to do that and us fumble around in it, but with power and authority, with his backing by his spirit, the seal of his spirit. And there's even been uh, an artistic expression of that that just kind of uh, God revealed just uh, last night or something, like, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. So I don't know if any of you have ever come across the artwork of Bryn Gillette, um, but he is down Charlotte, North Carolina, actually working for a man who was a headmaster at Christian Heritage, who used to attend here. And um, he texted me and a few other friends yesterday and said, hey, I'm working on this commission that I just received today. And it's about this young man grown to man and his journey wrestling through his sexual identity and confusion around uh, his identity, and then you know God showing up in his life in a real way, and and, and as he described it in his text, I'm, it mirrored the story that I'm sharing with you today. And he actually didn't know my story; I'd never shared that with him. And so he's texting me as I'm preparing here to come here with you today. He's painting my story, and it was funny because he hadn't completed it yet. So he sent me this picture after I told him what I was going to be doing uh, of the painting in process. And, uh, and this is what he sent. And so you see this picture of this young boy who grows into an adolescent. And here the, the adolescent is smoking. And you see darkness and red surrounding him as he just becomes ensnared by this life of sin. And then it's interesting because there's supposed to be another person there. But again, this is in process. But you just see this mixture of, of dark and red. And, and just <laughs> that really felt like how my life felt at different points. But you see from boyhood on this blue beam going across, and that is the movement of God, the thread of God's work in this boy's life from when he was little until this moment where God shows up on the scene in that beam of yellow light where he brings salvation and rescue and new identity and brings us into a new way of seeing and being as a son. And it was just so powerful. A picture's worth a thousand words at least. And so just... Uh, God's timing, and, 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 and as he showed me that, I realized, wow, God, I was more reminded than realized that his hand has been in my story from the very mm-hmm. beginning, that he has never left me, just as we sang today. Mm-hmm. He's always faithful, faithful to the end. And yet, uh, uh, we just need to be blunt, though, uh, Leroy, that we know that you're making a, a hard choice uh, based on your commitment to God's word and uh, uh, an identity in Christ. But there are some people here who are just feeling bad for you. Uh, they just mm-hmm. feel bad that you didn't follow your romantic inclination uh, mm-hmm. toward this guy or uh, that you're uh, denying uh, you know, a mm-hmm. part of you yeah. and they just feel bad for you. Mm-hmm. What would you say to those people? 
don't. <laughs> don't. Because you don't know what you don't know. And I know that's simple and it's kind of like, well, obviously. But until you say yes to the Lord in your life, and that will be costly, and not costly because he's taking away something from you that's good, but you know, you think about a gardener. You know, we wouldn't say to a gardener, oh, that's bad to pull up the weeds. You know, don't pull up the weeds. It's like, no, pull up the weeds so that what's meant to be there can grow and that the nutrients don't get taken by the weeds that are there, but taken by the plants that you've intentionally planted. Mm -hmm. And so, mm -hmm. it's cool how God's truth resonates in his people. Um, and so, you know, for me, it's like, it was saying yes to the Lord in those costly moments where the weed actually felt like the part of me um, that I thought it was. And, and it's saying yes, like, Lord, I allow you to uproot that. And I'm actually gonna help you uproot that. I'm gonna participate in what that process looks like. Mm -hmm. That you realize like, oh, there's this, I can move. Like there's a greater freedom here, a greater fullness of life and experience of you, Lord, that was actually having the life sucked out of it by having that thing in my life. So for me, as you cross a threshold, and the farther you move past that demarcation, that moment of decision, the farther you get, you look back, and it, it feels honestly like days like, I don't even know that person anymore. I mean, that was me, but God brings you to a new place with him, and that is the greater reality. Um, Maybe just give us a, an example of the fruit, because you're saying mm. uh, that you're, you're uh, putting yourself in a place where Jesus can bring real fruit out of your life. Can you give an example of that? Yeah. Well, I really felt like over a year ago, God said not to build a ministry or platform around this topic. And so when you asked me, I felt like the Lord was like, say yes to this. <laughs> and, um, and so... You know, my ministry really is beyond this, but getting to work with all sorts of people, you know, as a network pastor, and, and it's interesting because what I have found in terms of how God uses me is that he'll often bring me into people's lives who are in transition, mm -hmm. are in crisis, or at a moment of decision. Mm -hmm. And uh, recently, a friend who I hadn't talked to in years called me out of the blue, and I'm sh we're updating each other on each other's lives, and I tell her what I'm up to, and I share that with her as a part of my update and what I'm doing. And she said, well, <laughs> maybe that's fitting because I'm in crisis. And she goes on to share how she just wanted to destroy her marriage, destroy the relationships in her life, just destroy everything because she just felt so confined by the place she was in, and she hated it. She didn't want to be there anymore, and so the only... Thing she felt that she could do was to just destroy everything in order to start afresh. Mm -hmm. And it was interesting because two days prior, I had been reading through Isaiah chapter a day, and I had just read the chapter uh, in chapter 33 where it talks about the destroyer. And, and I said to my friend, I said, you are not the destroyer. Mm -hmm. We know who the destroyer is. That is not who you are. And then I said, Friend, what I read this morning is Isaiah 35, which in the message translation, the title given by Eugene Peterson is The Voiceless Break into Song. And my friend is a worshiper. That's who she is. And, and I said that to her. I said, you're not the destroyer. You're a worshiper. And the enemy is trying to circumvent the call on your life mm -hmm. to break forth the song that God has uniquely placed in you. 
And I read to her as part of what I shared, verses three and four of chapter 35, energize the weak hands, strengthen the rubbery knees, tell fearful souls, and I tell you, friend, courage, take heart. God is here, right here, on his way to put things right in your life and redress all wrongs. He's on his way. He'll save you. And it was so powerful in that moment because God showed up in a way he only could have. And then a few months later, I had invited her and her husband to come visit and just to sit with them and not hear a perfect story, a story truly in process, but to to see them making decisions to really step into um, what God has for them and what he's called them to. I love that. And the idea that that God is here and he's uh, he's bringing his love and salvation. That's right. And that reminds me that... uh, Statistically speaking, uh, there's between 5 and 10% of the population uh, has same-sex attraction, which means in a church the size of BlackRock, uh, there are hundreds uh, mm. of us who have same-sex attraction. And uh, there are some uh, here today or listening to us uh, who have same-sex attraction and have been hurt by the church. And uh, now they have kind of a, a handout, mm. uh, a stiff arm with Jesus and uh, I wonder what you could say to them, but also there's another group, and that's the, those who are same-sex attracted, who are sincere Christ followers, just like you. Yeah. And uh, I'd like to, if you could just give an encouraging word to them mm-hmm. as well. But let's start with the, uh, the person who uh, maybe has been hurt by the church and uh, keeps Jesus kind of at arm's length. Yeah, well, two things I want to say. My friend Adam is here with me, and he recently shared a quote from a speaker who said, You know, there's a difference between being a Christian and a follower of Jesus. Many people in our nation would identify as a Christian, but a follower of Jesus is someone who lives the yes. (laughs) That's what a disciple is, someone who lives the yes, the yes to him who says, wherever you go, I'll go. (laughs) Where you say to stay, I'll stay, et cetera. And, And so... There's two things I want to say. First, we follow Jesus. We don't follow a person because people will hurt us. They will let us down. And sometimes those wounds go deep. But we have Jesus who is our healer. And so I've had to work through hurt in relationships in my own life. But it was through Christ and pursuing him and keeping my eyes on him, though I would get distracted and, you know, and wrestle and struggle in those things. It was him that brought the healing that I needed. And I think amongst the, in the LGBTQ community, I see a spiritual hunger. Like there is a spiritual hunger there. And many of them grew up in the church as I've talked with um, quite a few people. And, And what that, what my encouragement would be is don't hold on to unforgiveness because it will corrode the work of God in your, your life. It will, it will squelch it. It will put it out like a fire which needs to be fanned. It will be like dousing it with water. And, and I think um, there is that dealing with our pride and humbling ourselves, even in the midst of our hurt because pride can sometimes be the thing that rises up in us because of the hurt, but then also the releasing of the person and releasing of the unforgiveness in our own heart that we can be free because Christ talks in his word about the body and it's his body. So we can't say, oh, I don't want anything to do with the church. I love Jesus. No, he says that that's his body 
And so there needs to be an alignment, a forgiveness, a, a letting go so that we can walk in freedom. And here at BlackRock, we want to be that church uh, for those who maybe uh, through same-sex attraction feel separated from Jesus. Mm -hmm. Jesus loves you, and we want to be part of uh, reaching out with his love to you. Amen. But then those of you who are uh, true Christ followers and uh, deal with same-sex attraction, uh, let me just uh, say to you from my heart that not only are you uh, welcome in this body, but we need you. We need you because you are uh, uniquely gifted in, uh, mm -hmm. in Jesus to bring your gifts and your perspective mm -hmm. to uh, the body of Christ. So let me just say to you that we need you. You are a valuable part of our, uh, our church. And, uh, and we have one more encouragement just to come uh, from Leroy to, to you. Yeah. Just as you were talking there, I just was thinking about the importance that God puts throughout his word on the importance of having ears to hear. Yeah. And so, you know, if, if you are following after Christ, seeking to live out an expression of what holy sexuality looks like before God, you know, listen to his voice. Follow his leading and live that, that yes to him, that your heart would be in a posture of, Father, I want your will above all else. Um, because that is where life is found. There is no, there's this lyric of this song by Christy Knuckles, and it says, there's no greater worth in all the earth but to know you. There is no higher call, no life at all, but to love you. And, and there is nothing greater than him. And so it's just, it, we're all in process. You know, don't look at me and be like, that's how my story's gonna look. We all know every story is unique. But just keep saying yes. I can only attribute where I am today for the part that I have responsibility for as a person with a will is a life of not always, but seeking to live the yes and living it out to the point where God has brought me where I am. And I don't know where his voice will take you, but just keep following it. Well, I sense, uh, Leroy, that uh, there's, there's a part of you that is uh, that little boy is still experiencing the, the wonder of knowing mm. God as your father and totally. still jumping up and down. Yes. And it's a real privilege to have you as a friend mm, and a partner life. in ministry. And uh, just before uh, we have Leroy uh, pray, would you uh, join me in just thanking Leroy for uh, sharing his story with us? We want to thank you for watching and listening to our sermons online. And we hope that uh, you will be inspired to live more like Jesus through these. Please check out blackrock.org for more information about our church. Know that you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. And also uh, know that you can give uh, to BlackRock and to our ministry through PushPay, through our mobile app, and on our website. Your uh, donations and your support of our ministry allows us to have uh, these videos online and for us to impact our community.